Hey guys, welcome to the Katie May Show. I am Katie May. I hope you are ready to keep it real and talk all things marriage because that is what I do. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey in the pursuit of having an awesome marriage and accepting nothing less for this one and only life we get to have here together. Let's do this. Hi, everybody. Katie May here, experiencing her usual technical difficulties. <laughs> um, I have a very special guest here today named Stephanie. Stephanie is going to be telling us all about her excitedness. Let me try not to multitask here. I want to bring up the Facebook group in case anyone does actually show up here live and we can get some questions here. Okay. Jamie Dendy's live in the house. What's up, Jamie? Um, so yes, as, uh, as always, if you guys are watching, if you're tuning in, feel free to, uh, question, comment, talk, ask questions. Uh, Stephanie has so much information. It's going to blow your mind. Uh, I've been, Stephanie and I have been friends for a while now and just due to life and everything, you know, we've just been kind of watching each other from afar on Instagram. <laughs> I've been seeing her reels and all of her posts about, um, you know, health and nutrition and gut health. And I'm like, so geeked out. And I was like, Stephanie, I got to have you on the podcast. So welcome, Stephanie. She is a functional medicine nurse practitioner. Did I say that yes. right? Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, and she has a whole lot of other uh, certifications, uh, which excite me too, uh, in regards to just because if you guys don't, if you guys don't already know my own uh, story with uh, my own health issues, I went from um, all kinds of undiagnosed uh, problems, which supposedly were interstitial societies. Don't get me started on that. Uh, but doctors have no idea what that even is and or how to even treat it. And I've been symptom free for over like a decade now. Uh, I've had debilitating migraines. Again, doctors had no idea how to treat that. I've also been free of migraines for now over two years. And it is all so much to do with what Stephanie does. And so I am so, so very excited about this. And most importantly, because you guys are like, what does this have to do with my relationships? Stephanie is going to shine some light on that because if you guys have ever worked with me at any capacity, you know that I am a big, big, big proponent of living a healthy lifestyle, managing your hormones because it all happens up here and you can't be a good human being if, uh, and, and good to your, your spouse and a good, you know, have all the energy you want without just over caffeinating, which by the way, only works for so long guys. Um, and, and without burning out. Right. And burnout is a huge, huge thing that people are, are, are facing all the time. It impacts our relationships. It impacts how we run our businesses. So super long intro, but Stephanie, welcome so much to the podcast and yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us, tell us all about it. Okay. So first, cause there's so much I want to talk to you about. Tell us a little bit about your own, like just personal journey and how you got started doing what you're doing. Okay, so I am traditionally trained. I'm a family nurse practitioner, board certified, and I did, you know, I worked in acute care and ICU ER where it was just a lot of really sick people, um, and I got to see the best of Western medicine and the things that we're really good at. So, you know, saving you when you are like deathly ill, acutely ill, that's the place you want to be. 
But I realized very quickly <laughs> after getting into my advanced practice that I just, I felt like there was so much that we were missing um, in helping people prevent disease. And I learned that most people wanted to be healthy, but they just didn't really know how to do it. And we were missing the mark when it came to teaching people how to do that. And so when I started working as an NP, I was working in like a long-term care setting where it's so depressing, <laughs> so depressing. People are just sick. You know, it's that place where you leave the hospital, but you're not quite ready to go home yet. So you go to a rehabilitation, whether it's physical therapy, you need IV antibiotics, et cetera, et cetera. But it was just kind of a like a wake up call to me because I felt almost tricked. Like as a nurse practitioner, you want to help people do things and get better. But this was just like the opposite. I felt like I wasn't really doing anything for anybody. I was the checking off tasks. I kind of felt like a puppet in the system, which was gross to me. And it felt like a waste of my time and money. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to the gym, be a trainer where I, <laughs> I knew what I liked doing was helping people. But that kind of led me into a couple of different jobs that I didn't love, but I learned a lot from, um, especially in primary care. It was kind of like the the moment where I'm like, okay, this is something has to change. And I knew the things that I was good at. I knew my, my strengths, um, and what my passion was. And that kind of just helped me figure that out. But my, my step into functional medicine was hormones, um, and really optimizing hormones with patients. Um, when I was working in primary care, I took over the pellet program for a couple of other MPs that left. And so I just got thrown into it and it was a busy practice and the, the thing that stuck out to me was that the patients that were coming in for hormone optimization, it was kind of like a cash pay thing on the side, but they were the ones that felt the best and they were the happiest and they were the nicest. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Um, and then I fell into functional medicine and I got certified and it's just all history from there. So that's what kind of led me here and um, my journey to functional medicine. But I just, I see it over and over people coming in with the same type of complaints, concerns, and they've tried everything they've been told with traditional care, um, what to do, and it's not working. It's making them sometimes even worse than where they started. And so, um, yeah, that's what functional medicine is really looking at the root cause and figuring out what is the underlying issue and how to get yourself back to your, the optimal function, I guess, in restoring your own health. So that's what cool. I do. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we also talked a little bit about like how it almost blends like Western medicine practices with some of the naturopathic, right? Yeah. Like, can you explain yeah. a little bit about that? Like, what do you, what is like yeah, for those for of sure. us who so, don't know? So with Western and the blend, I guess would be really um, when it's appropriate. So sometimes you need medications, right? If you are yeah. somebody who is insulin resistant, let's say, and you have high blood pressure and that's not a safe thing. So it's really looking at like what's going on with you and your metabolism, your metabolic health. Are you having high blood pressure that's putting you at risk for a stroke and heart attack and that type of thing that you're not really aware of? that's when medications are appropriate. Like you need to manage that part of it while doing the other work that's going to treat the actual problem. You don't just wake up with high blood pressure, right? It's years of developing something, unless you have like a physiologic problem, an anatomical problem, 
that's something that develops over time, which is why it's chronic disease, right? And so the, the whole blend of that is if it's appropriate for you to be on medication, then yeah, of course I'm going to use medication. That's, that's my, my background, right? But the functional side of it is really at restoring health and bringing things back to how they're supposed to function, which a lot of, a lot of it is kind of mucked up with our lifestyle today. So, you know, just focusing on the foundational lifestyle factors, yeah. like your diet, which is the biggest one, right? Surprise, um, exercise, sleep, stress, like all of those things, hormones, just understanding one, how your function is. And then how do you, how, how do you get it back to what it once was, if it's possible? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where, that's kind of where, what I do. I feel like I lost my train. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was good. I know that that is good. I'm, I think I'm just, I have so many, like so many questions to dive into with all of this too, because in so many directions I want to go, I just think about like, um, even at ladies, like you guys think listening to this and there are so many people out there who suffer from debilitating, um, all kinds of chronic issues. Right. And they're in pain all of the time and they don't know how to fix it because, um, your general practitioner is just throwing every med, you know, I'll go back to me with my migraines. I saw a neurologist, like they gave me all kinds of special types of medicines to try and see if they would help and make sure I didn't have a tumor. And (laughs) (laughs) But ultimately, ultimately time and time again, I was just told, yes, some people get these and I'm like, that just is BS dude. Like that is so unacceptable. And obviously living my life that way. Right. A hundred percent. And I feel like, like, I don't want to throw any shade on doctors and specialists because for having been like in that position, you just don't have time. And it's not something that we're really taught traditionally. So yes, it's not taught. Yeah. Right. Like they said, it's just not taught. You have to go back and learn it. Like you have to go back and extra, which isn't really lucrative for a lot of people. And so, um, yeah, I feel like the, when you mentioned that people are kind of suffering and they're in pain and a lot of people don't even realize, like they don't, it's like two thirds of people don't realize that they're diabetic and they're walking around diabetic and that's, you know, terrible. Wow. But it's one of those things where, yeah, you're told that, you know, that there's something wrong in your body. Like you just know it. You haven't always had migraines, but now you do. And it's impacting your life and in the people in your life and your relationships and how you can show up in those relationships. Um, it, there is something wrong. And so a lot of that too, of what I do is really listening to the patient and kind of letting them give me their story and where they've been. That's a huge part of diagnosing somebody is really understanding their history um, and what has led up to where they are now and how that's impacting their life. Um, And then diving into that, you know, it's starting from the ground up, really going from that symptom and working our way backwards. So Mm -hmm. reverse Hearing your symptoms into what's the root cause. So, yeah. Detective. <laughs> I, I, I love that though. And this is, and again, not to, not to, as you put it, throw shade on the, you know, traditional doctors, but it just, it truly is. It boggles my mind that like nutrition, I think I was, I was watching something and I don't even remember what it was, but they were talking about how like 
No, it was um, Dr. Amy Shaw. Are you familiar with her? She's she's a gut health you know guru yeah. too. And she did she went she was got an MD and then she went back and she like got all nutrition right because she was like I literally went through like twelve hours like twelve credit units of nutrition as a general practitioner and that was it you know. And the same is true for hormones. You know, like uh, the one of the things with women, perimenopause, PMS, like any any female related hormone issue, you would think your OBGYN would know how to manage hormones and not that they don't, but it's really not as extensive. Like you're, they know how to manage for pregnancy and, you know, it's a different approach, I should say. So yeah, to answer or to bring light to that is that they're, they don't always know. And a specialist is looking at one system in the body where functional medicine and more of like the natural is looking at all the systems connected. So that's, that's the difference, which to me just is like, yeah. Cause our body's a system. Like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all like, an interconnected, complex, dynamic yeah. network. You know, like yeah. these veins, they all connect, they all run through the, you know, it's like all connected. Um, but what, so what I'm interested in too, because I know you're really passionate about hormones. Um, mm-hmm. so many, so many. I think people know, oh, hormones, it has to do with your sex hormones, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they have any knowledge about hormones or, or, I mean, I had very little knowledge myself. It was like, okay, those are all handle. Those are all from your ovaries and okay, maybe a thyroid, you know, but like what they're discovering now is so much of our hormones are actually through our gut. Am I right? Or like, can you tell us uh, more about that? Yeah. So your gut can synthesize hormones. It's responsible for um, excreting hormones. So you can really have like estrogen, for example, if you don't have a certain type of bacteria, or if you have a dysbiosis where the bacteria is not in a healthy balance, you can have a bacteria that produces more of what's called beta glucuronidase, which is responsible for unconnecting estrogen to what it's bound to, to get out of the body. So you basically reabsorb your estrogen. You can become estrogen dominant, um, and not the good kind of estrogen. So the ones that can potentially cause cancers and a lot of other problems. So um, yes, hormones are, again, not just reproductive. They're not just our sex hormones. They're your insulin, your cortisol, your thyroid. You have so many. And so um, a lot of that has has a foundation in the gut in whether or not the system is working well, right? All of the systems that we talked about, if your gut is disrupted, then you can have hormone imbalance. And now you know, the, the research in the gut health area is kind of having its moment, right? We have a lot of interesting things coming out. Some, we don't really quite know what to do with, um, yet, but we just keep finding more and more how connected our hormones are to our mood, um, our cognition, lots of neurocognitive and neuroinflammatory conditions. Um, so many things, like there's just so many things that your gut can play into, Um, so it's kind of one of the first places that I will look, um, if somebody has all those symptoms, if somebody is, is displaying and maybe even not just related to their gut health, like bloating and and gas, that type of thing, it's anxiety. It can be depression. It can be sleep disruption. It can be lots of other things. So yeah, the gut is a big part of that. Pretty central. I'm really excited. You said that. So, um, 
I don't know. I mean, for me, and this is also, it's kind of like that reticular activating system, right? Where it's like, you buy a car, you see the car everywhere. And it's like, so what I lived through where like, I was on adrenal burnout and like no testosterone and my hormones were a total mess, even though I went in and did the blood lab and my doctors were like, yeah, you're good. Right. And then I did the Dutch test, which yeah. Yeah. You and I will talk a little bit about that too. So they, it, it did say that like all of the things. Right. And so I'm, but I'm talking to so many women and this was a thing too. Cause I never, I've been blessed with a pretty good metabolism my whole life, but I was like, I can't get this weight off. Right. Like, and I've never been, I've never been like completely unhealthy, obese or anything like that. Again, I've been very blessed in that, in that area, but I've always been very active and I've never been to a point where I've got like 15 pounds that literally will not come off me. And I've got migraines, I've got mood swings, like all these things are happening. And obviously when I get, did the proper testing that, Oh, there's a reason for that. Right. But I, I don't know about you. Are you noticing like an influx of women coming to you with those, like those symptoms and you're finding that like adrenals are like a big issue or like, tell me, tell me about that. Um, I wouldn't say an influx. I feel like it's just a pretty steady, like, it's pretty pretty steady. and again, it can be a number of things, right? So yeah, cortisol, looking at the health of your adrenal glands, how well they're working at the stress response. And a lot of people, um, how they're managing, you know, how are they choosing to either cope with stress or how are they numbing from stress and, and kind of understanding the difference between the two. Um, but yeah, it's a huge part of it because we are over overworked, we're underslept, we're under nutrition, we have all the things that we are that contribute to that, that we're not really paying attention to. Um, because it's not so tangible, right? We talk about stress, and we talk about how stress is bad, but we don't really know what what quantifies stress and how does it impact you on a hormonal level on a biologic level. Um, it's really hard for people to, to conceptualize that. Um, when you tell them to manage their stress, without, you know, having a glass of wine or without scrolling social media, like those are things that are still, you're not really addressing the stress. And so you're not managing it. You're kind of just it, it compacting on itself. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that's a huge part of it. And the, the weight that comes with that, you know, the weight gain, the difficulty losing weight, people struggle with that. Um, again, they're all kind of connected. So if you are having um, let's say high cortisol levels, it's going to impact your blood sugar. It's going to impact your insulin and insulin is a, like a, a storing hormone. So you're, you're really conserving energy. You're not going to burn fat. It's going to be hard to lose weight. And like I mentioned earlier, most people don't realize that they're insulin resistant. You know, it's not, it's not part of a traditional, you know, lab evaluation. We look at glucose and we look at an A1C, which kind of gives us long-term you know, over time, what is your blood sugar doing? But there are things that we can look at that are a little bit more comprehensive that will clue us in to that developing. So, yeah, so a, in layman's terms, if somebody's like insulin resistant, yeah, uh, like what are some of the symptoms they're going to be running into? If someone is insulin resistant, weight gain, difficulty losing weight is a big one. They're going to feel tired, brain fog. Um, anything that's really related to metabolic health, you can have abnormal lipids. So high cholesterol, high triglycerides, low testosterone, um, it can impact your cortisol. I mean, there's, it's really countless and it looks different for everyone kind of depending on 
what else they have going on in life, if they are completely sedentary, if they aren't sleeping, if they have a other milieu of, of diseases that they're dealing with, either congenital or something they've developed over time. Um, it really just depends on the person, but the biggest complaints would be weight gain, difficulty losing weight, hormone imbalance, disrupted gut microbiome, of course, you know, that's kind of the given, but um, yeah, those would be red flags <laughs> if somebody were coming into me and the then, one that you're like, of course, like it's given, it's like, it's really not, it's really yeah. not like so many people don't know any, like, I mean, well, cause if doctors aren't taught this stuff, you know, we aren't yeah. either. So it's like, um, no going to gut microbiome let's explore. Shall we like, what do you mean by that? Like, to- <laughs> I mean, your microbiome, what is it is basically from birth, you are introduced to different bacteria, different fungi, viruses that live inside of our, our mucosal GI system. So that's mouth to anus, right? Um, kind of get gross, but from birth, <laughs> when you are delivered vaginally, you kind of get a mouthful from your mom, right? You get it from your mama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, you know, it, it just kind of develops as we progress through life. And so, you know, the insults, either um, lots of antibiotics as a child can really impact you down the road because it disrupts that early development of your microbiome. So the bacteria within our gut, they are not just there existing, they have functions and they produce different things that benefit us. So um, hormones being one of them, right? Different vitamins are synthesized in the gut, um, different um, metabolites. So bacteria eat the food that we eat. So essentially when you eat, you're feeding your gut bacteria. And if you're feeding them the wrong kind of thing, then they suffer and they don't do well. But if you're feeding them the right kind of things like lots of fiber, vegetables, brightly colored fruits and veggies, then you're giving it the things that it needs to thrive and you benefit from that. So that's really how we kind of continue to develop our microbiome and how it continues to give back to us. Um, but yeah, that I feel like the, I, I say it because I'm, I read all about it all the time and I listen to podcasts about it all the time, but you're right. I shouldn't assume that everyone knows that the gut is super important, <laughs> which is why I'm here. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, cause you said diet and it's like, everyone's like, well, yeah, diet, of course. Right. And it's like, no, it's like so specific. I mean, it's so specific to not even necessarily, um, but yeah, I mean, going back to like what keeps, what keeps your bacteria fed well, the good mm-hmm. bacteria in your gut and how important it is that yeah. to me was mind blowing because of, again, all the research that's coming out, that's, you know, new and, and, uh, you know, developing and stuff, but like, I mean, they're doing fecal, fecal transplants and they're finding like a replacement of the gut microbiome and they're finding like all kinds of crazy cures for they're seeing improvements in autism. They're seeing improvements yeah. in like schizophrenic patients, like, so I, that to me was just mind blowing. It is mind blowing, honestly. Like, and, it, and we're just kind of skimming the surface on totally. how we get it, um, because there's lots of data. There's lots of you can you can PubMed research microbiome, and you'll get thousands of articles. But really, how do we how do we apply that into practice with patients that you can you know give them actions to take? And it really comes down to what you're putting in. And, and removing the things that are not serving you in your gut, the yeah. biggest, and, and the standard American diet is kind of the, the number one, it just 
wipes us out, right? You know, our, our healthy bacteria, you have lots of um, unhealthy processed seed oils, lots of sugar. Um, we're so focused on calories in America. I feel like everybody's, you know, I'm, you know, it, when I'm doing a questionnaire or an interview with the patient on what they're eating, it's always very focused on calories when I really don't care. Like, I don't want to know the, the number assigned to the food that you're eating. I want to know the nutrition, like how, how is the food that you're eating, interacting with your cells and in your microbiome, because that's going to be essentially what clues me into what's going on. Um, somebody who's not eating enough, um, or somebody who's eating what they think is healthy, but is actually very inflammatory to them. And it's very individual. So that's, again, back to the functional medicine. Like I could eat one thing and you can eat the same exact thing, but we have a very different response on a cellular level, um, with our blood sugar, with our microbiome, just because of what's in my body and yours is very different. So it would make sense. Right. Yeah. Um, so that is something that you kind of have to fine tune, right? What is, what is your body reacting to that maybe your mind isn't going to react to um, and how to eat, how to fuel your body for that specific. Well, yeah, need. even to what you just said, if we're talking about like the vaginal births and you're, they're getting the bacteria from their mom. Right. And it's like, okay. So if you're a kid who's a C-section or a kid who's been a ton of antibiotics, Lord knows our generation, they pass those out like Tic Tacs, right? Like I was on all kinds of antibiotics. And so well, it's I like, I forgot to mention a big part of it was breast milk from your mother. Yeah. Too. A lot of those antibodies and a lot of, so that's again, where it starts. And that was a huge, like one piece I forgot to mention. <laughs> no, that was, that's good but too, because obviously important. And lots of antibiotics because I, you know, this is speculation, but because we were not breastfed, possibly we had, you know, a, a increased risk of getting more infections and needing more antibiotics. And it just kind of perpetuates the cycle. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that is, no, it's, it's so interesting. And so it's like, what would you do if you're like, I mean, you're working with somebody and they've just had, like, they just have really crappy gut bacteria. Like, mm -hmm. is there resetting that? Is there like a replacement method? Is there like, what, what does that even look like? A fecal transplant. I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, that don't legal fun. here yet. <laughs> no, that's the good news. And it's, it, you know, it's very simple, but it's, complex at the same time like it's it sounds it sounds crazy but it's hard for people to do yeah. um it is yeah the where I usually start is a stool test so okay comprehensive evaluation of what's going on inside and not just the bacteria but how are you digesting food are you breaking it down properly are you able to absorb the food if you're not breaking it down you're not likely absorbing the nutrients that you would need to um, and then of course, one of the biggest pieces is really looking at the different families of bacteria that are within, um, because they each have different functions. They each have different roles in the gut and they are supposed to be living symbiotically. Right. And a lot of the times they're not, there's an overgrowth of one and, um, not enough of another. And this causes issues with mucosal barrier and, um, breaking down the actual integrity of our gut lining. Um, this is what everyone knows is leaky gut syndrome. I'm sure. And you've heard that it's very yeah. it's much like a buzz term. Um, but that's basically where the cell walls just get inflamed and that first line of defense in the, in the gut is broken down enough where things can pass through the cells in the gut where they're not supposed to. So things like bacteria and food, 
Um, and that's where people start to have systemic issues. So rashes, brain fog, anxiety, they start to become sensitive to all the foods that they're eating all of a sudden. Um, joint pain, you know, hormone disruption, it can even lead to weight gain, you know, lots of different things. Um, but that's just a, a piece of it. So looking at that, the stool test will give us a, a huge insight into that. Um, it's never meant to be like a diagnostic, but it certainly can help us tailor a, a treatment plan um, in, in supplementation, in different lifestyle, diet choices, things that can be beneficial for some person um, because of their specific bacteria. Um, and then it's looking at inflammatory markers. So if you have you know, sensitivity to gluten, or if you have a, a huge immune reaction, immune response in your gut, we can measure that. Um, so it's really insightful. And um, sometimes it's not really needed. I, I would say that probably half of the time we can start with clinical symptoms, like what, it, what the patient is saying they're experiencing. And we can kind of start there and see if just changing the diet you know, eating an anti-inflammatory diet usually helps people. So cutting out the common triggers for a lot of people and then just building that gut lining, repairing what was damaged. Um, and people tend to do better with that, but not always. Sometimes we need a little bit more information and that's where the testing can be helpful. So the, so the fecal testing, so yes. stool, you said stool, but it's, yeah. So yeah. they like, I mean, how, what is that? Like, what does that even look like? So it's basically, it's a kit that's mailed to you. So you okay. do it in your home um, and then you send it off to the lab and they, they run their, they do their thing. Um, and then they send me the results. And then we go over those together. I usually like to have a couple of visits with somebody because one gathering the information, we get the, the test sent off and then we make a plan. And then we have an action plan and how to get there. Um, which isn't, you know, if you think about how long it takes for the damage to accrue, it takes some time to heal. And so I feel like the managing expectations for people and kind of keeping them, um, encouraged because it can seem like, okay, well, I'm cutting out all of the things I love eating. It's kind of a shift in, in diet for a lot of people, right? If they're no longer eating bread and they're not getting Starbucks every day and they're, oh, yeah. it can be, they're not going to be happy for a minute. And that's, Part of the process. Oh, let's just stop right there. Y'all are going to mourn. You all are going to mourn the loss of the lifestyle you had. And that's okay. That is, yes. okay. it's okay. Take your minute, cry. It's okay. Because you, you feel so much better and people always feel better when they, when they cut that stuff out, but you, you basically, you become addicted to that stuff. It's yeah. not your fault that you're addicted to it. It's your biology. Right. And so yeah you start to cut those things out, it's really rebalancing and, and finding a new, a new normal. And that's, that's work. You know, a lot of people want the quick fix. They yeah. want the, they want the, the drugs. Totally. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's something that I have the like fine line of, in my job right now with medicine and the functional side of things is that, you know, I do both. And so yeah. when is it appropriate to use this and when is it not? And um, so yeah, that's, that's something too. I feel like where my health coaching comes in is keeping people on, on course and kind of motivating them to stick with it because the benefits outweigh any of the things that they're dealing with in that time, like that moment. No, I love that so much. That's so in line with like 
me working with my clients because <laughs> I just, I just want my marriage to be better. And it's like, okay, you still have these many things we need to do. And then that's going to happen, you know, like just trust the process state, but even going, like going back to the topic at hand, when we're talking about, um, like, yeah, when I had, I was already gluten-free and dairy-free. So even with that cut out of my life and I'm like, you, you can't take more from me. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm already like, just stick an IV in me. And like, can I just eat intravenously at this point? Like, and, um, so even still, like I, I went through like a total morning period of like, I have to cut out caffeine alcohol. Are you freaking kidding me? But, but I will just say on a personal note, um, so, so, so grateful that I did have to, because I did not realize, like, I had no idea how dysregulated I actually was until I left caffeine. Like mm-hmm. I didn't understand how, like, I always felt cause they say I'm ADHD. I don't know, whatever, uh, <laughs> that I, a little bit. I, I mean, you know, and so I always was like, look, I don't take Adderall. I self-medicate. Right. So I do my caffeine, but it's like, until I actually got off of that, I did not realize like, you don't know what you don't know. And for those of us, like, you're like me, you've been drinking coffee since you're like middle school, high school. Right. And it's like, all you've known is your body and your regulation system is this way. And so once I went through the detox and all of that, by the way, I did mine very gradually. For those of you who are interested in this, I did like half calf decaf, like all the way down to decaf. And then I was off. Cause I was not about to put myself through some like cold Turkey yeah. crap with that. Uh, <laughs> but you do you. Um, but just talking about my, like, I think people think this is this huge, Oh my gosh, I have to like, just totally do this huge change of my life overnight in order for me to even experience like uh, a difference. Would you, I mean, to me, I don't, I don't personally feel like they have to, I feel like they could start making small changes and still see some, some actual improvement. Right. Oh yeah. 100%. And you know, the goal with correcting any gut issue, especially leaky gut is so that you can enjoy those things without having complete chaos within your system. Yeah. So like, for example, I still drink coffee. Like I still have a glass of wine every now and then I'm not living in a bubble. And I never want people to think that to be healthy, you must do all of these things all the time. Like I get it. I'm I'm very much a realist in the world that we live in, but it's all about optimizing your body's function so that you can handle those things. So you can handle having a birthday cake with your kid at their birthday party and not having to be on a diet for your whole life. Right. And yeah, really appreciating things for what they are and nutrition, because a lot of the food that we are programmed to think is healthy and marketed to us as healthy is actually quite the opposite. And so I feel like that transition period from when people are, you know, starting to eat healthier to when they really start to appreciate flavor and food and reintroducing fat back into their diet instead of, you know, just focusing on calories, because that's what a lot of people have done is they've removed fat out of their food and they don't have any flavor or they're not feeling full or hungry all the time. And so their carbs, they need more carbs. And, you know, it's really just kind of getting back to the basics with our food. Um, and people will usually it takes a couple of weeks for their palates to change after cutting out lots of sugar and cutting out the ultra palatable foods that we are just inundated with in our society. 
it takes some time, but it is so well worth it. You know, if you can stick to it and trust the process. Um, and, you know, part of my job too, is to really help kind of ease the pain through that because I do, I've been doing this for a while. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of things with what people do that mm-hmm. help, um, mm-hmm. and different tips and tricks. So that's kind of why I like to do pretty close, you know, at least seeing once a month to, until you get things back to where you want them. Yeah. Um, that's, that's part of the process. So I didn't realize how much protein I wasn't getting like, yeah. because I, I mean, I, I just feel like I, I chicken like all the time. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't eat a lot. I mean, I'm gluten free. I don't eat a lot of carbs. So it's like, but then t- I, I don't think a lot of women understand that either because and women particularly, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there are men out there too, but like, we need so much more protein than we get on just a regular basis. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, the recommended daily allowance or what you should be getting is like 0.8 grams per kilogram, which is so low. It's not enough to sustain muscle mass. And we only need more as we get older. And so, yes, the overwhelming majority of women are under eating in protein. If they're not conscious of it, if they haven't been in like the fitness world and um, learning about how to grow muscle mass and a lot of people are afraid of muscle, I feel like, because it has a very masculine, um, I guess just the, it, it's so opposite, but women don't want to look bulky. They just want yeah. to look, it's no, we're not, muscle. we're not focused on muscle growth to yeah. your point until you're like, okay, I, this is how I want my body to look. And I want to feel strong. That was my yeah. goal. Like I was yeah. like, I was working out at the gym for like a year straight. And I was like, where is the abs, like, right. where is the biceps? Like, I, I want some muscle on these flabby arms, you know? And it's like, yeah. oh, I have to feed it. <laughs> feed it. It's interesting because, you know, aside from aesthetic purpose of muscle mm-hmm. and strength, your muscle houses all of your amino acids or many yes. of them. And so when you're not getting that through your diet, which you, you eat protein for the amino acids. So when you're not getting enough protein, you steal from your muscle. And so you're kind of muscle wasting and muscle is been in the functional world kind of known as the currency of aging. So if you have less muscle, as you go into your older years, you're at higher risk for lots of things. Um, one of the biggest issues as you get older is falling, you know, especially as women, we're not focused on muscle mass and, Um, which usually kind of goes with bone density. If we Mm -hmm. fall, there's hip fractures, which is kind of one of the leading causes of that. You get hospitalized and it's not pretty. Um, So it's really, you you want healthy muscle and healthy muscle serves so many different purposes in the body aside from just having a booty, right? But that's, let's be, most women want a new booty. Yeah. (laughs) They want the booty gains. And so it's, you have to get it in protein. Um, there's lots of ways to do that, but the best way to do it to get complete protein amino acids, the essential amino acids is through animal products. So meat and dairy. And so again, it kind of goes back to what you can tolerate. Some people are dairy sensitive. Some people are sensitive to only certain types of like what the, either the dairy protein or the sugar in the dairy, they're not completely dairy sensitive. So that's kind of too fine tuning it to each individual. Um, but yeah, protein is so important. And again, it, it kind of goes back to the basics of nutrition. Yeah. Or macronutrients, but yeah. Tim, well, that fascinates me, fascinated me because I also was, they're talking about, um, how they've 
like just recent research talking about the um, correlation to muscle mass and dementia. And so like, again, okay. So I'm not giving up gluten for a booty or abs. Like I, yeah, I want them, but like, it's never been enough to motivate my butt to get to the gym every day. So while there's lots of women and men out there who want like nice bodies, there's plenty of us going, it's not worth it. I still want, I mean, I still want to eat the way I want to eat. It wasn't until like, I had this debilitating thing taking away from my life that I started to go down all of this research and find a functional medicine person who would actually help me through all of this. Right. And it's like, you don't know what you don't know, but like, I love that you said that because there's so much more to do with our health, having muscle on our bodies than just how you look. Yeah. And I feel like too, especially with women, it's more like they're hyper-focused on the number on the scale and you don't see the whole picture. Like you don't really know your body composition, how much fat versus muscle that you have. And, you know, we've all heard the term skinny fat, which is the medical diagnosis is sarcopenia where you have more body fat than muscle. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is, you know, that has its own implications in health. Um, but it really does kind of come back down to how is it impacting your quality of life? And that really is the driving force for most people, but driving force for seeking, you know, care in alternative ways for a lot of people. Um, and that is to part of what I do is uncovering that why, like, what is your motivating factor to coming to me? Because that's what's going to keep your eye on the prize, right? That's what's going to yeah. help you where you need to be. Um, like, for example, weight loss, you know, you could want to lose 20 pounds and someone else, your neighbor could also want to lose 20 pounds, but you have very different reasons for doing so. Like I want to yeah. lose 20 pounds so that I can have energy to show up with my kids every day. And play with them at the park. And, you know, this person wants to lose the 20 pounds because they want to be able to do the things that they couldn't do, right? Physically, they want to hike the mountain with their friends. They want to go do all the things. So it's very different, but understanding what's driving that person towards that health goal is really where the art comes into with what I do. And that's the fun part to me is like, okay, this person cares about this. And so we're going to focus on that. And how do we get you there? Well, and I think too, um, again, speaking from my own experience, going, going towards, okay, how do I fix my migraines led me towards my life just getting exponentially better as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. It's like your, my sex drive improved, my sleep improved, my energy improved, like at my moods improved, like everything about me improved because I was trying to fix a problem. And this is the, this is the issue is so many of us like wait until our lives are blowing up. This is relationships too. They don't call me until like, they're already one foot out the door. Right. It's like, and so I keep trying to impress upon people. Like, I mean, I've been guilty of this too. Like ever. I mean, it's just easy to be like, look, we can stay comfortable for so long and it's the devil. We know it's the way we've always lived. And it has to be that like, so for so many people, they have to go through something traumatic to make them make these big moves and shifts. But if you don't wait until you're on adrenal burnout, if you don't wait until that time, the healing process isn't as drastic. They can start making those little shifts 
and experiencing that so much easier versus waiting until shit really hits the fan and you're debilitated or, you know, you're really, really sick or what Hashimoto's or whatever. Right. (laughs) I'm sorry. What did you say? I said, yeah, instead of waiting until everybody else around you knows that there's something going on when you yes. know it, or to, you know, be proactive instead of reactive to what's happening, then it tends to be a little bit less of a transition. Um, I would agree hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. Um, so how have you noticed, like just in your own personal life, as far as just like how you live your life or changes you've personally made for you, how have you noticed that and how you show up on a daily basis has changed? Um, that's a great question. I feel like there's so many levels to that, right. Um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to like my physical health, I know that if I don't, if I don't take care of myself, then I have less of you know, my cup, you know, if you don't fill your cup, you can't give to others. Right. That's that old saying we all know, but it's so true. I feel like if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't give back to others yeah. as well as you could, if you were taking care of yourself, you know, especially as women working mothers, like a lot of us are doing a lot. We wear a lot of hats and it's easy to get burnt out. It's easy to kind of put your, your health, um, on the back burner while you take care of everyone else and make sure that things are in line at your job with your household and your marriage and that type of thing. But you are the people around you are so much better when you take care of yourself. And so that has been evident in my life, you know, just when I make it a priority to wake up early enough to have my morning routine where I exercise, where I'm doing some type of meditation or I'm doing some type of self-care that I have, I show up differently for my kids. I'm able to have a little bit more patience. I'm able to be more compassionate towards other people and their, their issues too. It's just really kind of going back to making everything regulated in your, in your biology that it's, it all, it all connects. And so if you're not taking yourself, you can't give back to others like you want to. Um, and then with hormones, of course, you know, when your hormones are not balanced, um, things, you know, I need to tell your audience, women know when your hormones are off, you know, nothing is right. <laughs> and everyone else can tell, right? It's that PMS or, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be PMS, but it could be your thyroid. You can just be tired all the time, not have energy and just not want to do anything. No motivation um, to really do anything other than the things you have to get done every day. And even those can be hard. Um, so just, I feel like in my own life, having set boundaries um, and, and prioritizing my health, it's always that fine line of, and I struggle with this still like feeling selfish. Like, do I work out or do I spend the extra time with my kids today? Like I always feel torn. So it's really what has shown me is that when I do it, I teach my kids that they need to do it for themselves because if they don't, no one's going to do it for them. And I think it's really just accepting that and, um, appreciating it for what it is that your kids are watching you, your kids are watching what you do. And my kids are the same way. Um, and, and if they know that I prioritize my health and I mm-hmm. want to show up my best version, then that's what they're going to want to do. Cause they learn from watching you, right. You can tell them all that you want. <laughs> they're not going to yeah. listen. They're going to watch you. And so I feel like too, if I can't work out, if it's, you know, not going to work in my day, I usually try to include them. Like let's bring them with me. We're going to go to the park. We're going to do something 
um, we'll get moving or now, you know, we, we just moved and we have a gym in our house that so we, the kids will come in and we'll work out and they'll start working out with us. And it's, it's been really great. Um, just to see how that kind of trickles down. Um, and you know, you hear them talk about, you know, what they do with their friends and then that sparks conversation. So I feel like it's definitely impacted my life. Um, you know, just being healthy and kind of seeing where I was when I was younger and didn't really care or know. I felt terrible. I struggled with like depression and, you know, the things everyone deals with, but until I got a control over a handle mm-hmm. on what I was putting into my body and mm-hmm. what I was surrounding myself with, the people, the things I was reading, the things I was watching, it really, it, it makes a huge impact on so many levels. I love that you said that. And I love even more that you said like depression, the things that everybody deals with. And it's like, that's how normal it is in our society. It's just, it's a normal thing for people to have anxiety and have depression. And it's like, okay guys, but it doesn't have to be that way just because it's common. Doesn't mean it's like, I love that we've made that shift from like mental health to like, okay, this isn't shameful. It is a normal thing for people to experience, but it also is like, it's so interesting to me because I I shared with you earlier on when I'm talking to a woman and she's like, I have no sex drive. Um, I don't even want sex. I don't even think about sex. I honestly avoid him or like there she's struggling with mood swings or she's quick to snap or whatever. And the first thing I go to is like, how much water are you drinking? How much sleep are you getting? Like what? And they're like, what does this have to, it's like the last thing they think about is their health in response to, okay, I'll run off to a psychiatrist and get put on antidepressants. And again, I'm with you. I think there is a time and a place, but again, I I feel like also I'll just be like blunt on on my end of like, I think those suckers are being handed out like Tic Tacs from GPs right now, because it's just like, Oh, well you feel sad. Oh, well then here, take this. And it's like, but you could just have a hormone imbalance and you could just take some supplements and change a little bit about your diet and sleep better and feel better, like literally cure your depression versus just band-aid it. Right. Right. Like, or unhealed trauma or so many other things, right. There's lots of layers to that. Yeah. It's very complex when it comes to depression. Um, I would agree. They, the medications that are used are, you know, they're used a lot and a lot of people are on them that can even have its own slew of problems regarding your gut health. Right. But there is a time and a place for some people. Um, and again, it kind of goes back to that balance of using medications, but also doing the other things to restore health and get you back to the feeling good. Um, hormones can be a big part of that. The depression, um, progesterone can be so helpful for a lot of women. Um, but yeah, I think it's really just, um, not having, not having the shame about it and accepting that it, it, everyone is dealing with something and it's not this world of perfection and achieving the perfect, you know, whatever it is that you're after. Everyone deals with crap. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's something to do about it. You don't have to accept just feeling like crap. It's really not how we're supposed to feel. And the same thing with yes. aging, like we don't have to age and all of a sudden hit a certain age where we can't do things. We can't. Yes. That's just how it is. Like, sorry, you're that age now. Deal with it. You know, suck it up, buttercup. But hang on. It's not that way. It doesn't have to be. And I feel like that's just something we've accepted as normal. And it's not normal. You can age and and kick ass at the same time. 
Oh, I love that you said that. My mom and I have been going back and forth on that for a while. <laughs> she's like, she's going to listen to this and be like, Katie. Uh, but it's true because it's, but again, it goes back to what we have always known. Right. And it's like, and now there is new information and there's new ways to truly like, no, you literally can cure your depression by like eating better. Like you really, like you truly can like get rid of your anxiety by like fixing your hormones. And that's, that to me is awesome. Right. And I can't say, and I won't say that it can cure it because again, very complex. It's a lot of dynamic to that, but sorry, you can, but not everyone can. And so thank you. This is the licensed professional coming in. (laughs) Honestly, it's often not even talked about, like it's literally not even talked about. And so that's what I'm here for is to talk about it and to make it more normal um, but yeah, I feel like there's a lot to it that it's not every person is individual bio individuality. Um, so when I work with patients and clients, it's figuring out where to start, you yeah. know, what testing is it, are we dealing with more of like a, a cortisol picture an adrenal fatigue type situation, or is it menopause, perimenopause, or are we really looking at insulin resistance? Do we need to focus more on weight loss attempt, um, optimizing nutrition and and really focusing on gut health. Like what is it? It's different for everyone. So, Yeah. yeah, love it. So, oh, so much good information. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, where do these wonderful people who need your help find you? Um, yes, that's a great question. So I am opening up my schedule. I'm a little bit tight right now, but I'm spring. I'm hoping to open that up a lot. But um, halohealthandwellness.com is my website. So you can kind of peek around there. It's a very much in its infant stages. So if you have questions, all my contact info is on there. You can message me. Um, I'm on Instagram at functional underscore step with an F. Um, That's where I post all my content. And I try to do a little bit of gut health and hormones. I do a lot of fitness on there. I'm also offering um, personal training session because that is um, kind of my first love was in fitness. So I love that. And it's a huge part of what I do anyway. So that's something I do. Um, that's where you can find me. But- love it. Yeah. Functional underscore Steph with an F like Frank, right? Okay. Yeah. All of you guys go follow her. Her reels are the bomb. She gives you really good, um, exercise tips. She is stacked by the way. Like she is like muscle. Like I'm so impressed by you. Every time I see you doing your workouts, I'm like, yes, I'm gonna get there. (laughs) So yeah. Yes. All right, girl. Thank you so much for being on today. Absolutely loved having you. And I cannot wait until uh, we get this aired out on the podcast. So, all right. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye.